This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, send it live. Oh, we're already live. Um, let's see. Talking Nets 203. We're going to talk about the uh, soul-crushing loss to the Cavs. No, we won't waste too much time on that. We'll probably touch on the one win against the Heat, which was a very important win, and a little bit of a letdown yesterday to the Magic, and Ben Simmons is not returning. And this is the final home stretch right here to bring it home and lock up that six seed. Talking Nets, let's get into it. Hit the music, Alex. Wait, wait, wait. We're doing that Brooklyn, Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Hey, yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets, episode 203. Still talking Nets. The Nets are still playing. The never know Nets. Sometimes it's more fun than not. Welcome in Hudson Flynn, Robin Lumberg, our producer Alex behind the scenes. And play is for keeps already in the chat. Shout out to the YouTube folks in the chat. Hit like if you're in the chat. How you guys feeling? I'm doing all right. You know, I, the... the um. The Heat win was a, a nice boost. The Cavs loss, as you mentioned, was soul-crushing. I, I fell onto the carpet at the end of that game watching with my kids. That's the one that still stings. The Magic loss, I expected. I, I 100% expected a loss on the schedule before that game. Looking at it a week before that game, the Magic have been playing well, and that was a brutal turnaround. So think about essentially playing a playoff game or what amounts to a playoff game and then the next day having to play again against a, a young, scrappy team without Royce O'Neal, without Edmund Sumner, who I, I, I think needs to play going forward. So I wasn't, you know, yesterday's loss to the Magic didn't really bother me that much. The rest of the schedule, no excuses, is favorable for the Nets. They are now in a favorable position after beating the Miami Heat. I'm still reeling from the Cavs loss because had they won that game, the way we'd be looking at everything would be a little different. Yeah, at the end of the day, we did win the game we needed to, right? We won the game that kept us in the sixth seed and puts us kind of, you know, a little bit more in the driver's seat in terms of keeping uh, the sixth seed and staying out of the play-in game. I I've been trying not to think about the Cavs game, to be completely honest with you both, 
I don't know about you, the NBA last two minute report and them admitting they got the call wrong. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for me unless we have, you know, Joe Sai put on his Mark Cuban hat and protest the result of the game. It doesn't mean too much to me because, of course, there's a million and one different reasons the Nets lost that game. That was one of them. But seeing the refs admit that it was wrong, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. And then the Magic game, that felt like the most that felt like the standard Nets game from the past four years. That felt like Kevin Durant putting up 44 in a game where no one else can score and the Nets you know, managing to lose against an inferior team and a letdown back to back. That felt like standard. That felt like the most Nets way to lose off coming off of that stretch of game, stretch of games you could have ever imagined. But I will say, got to give some credit to the magic, right? I think I saw that uh, Paulo Banquero, I think tweeted out the magic are 27 and 23 uh, over however many, you know, games that is. And that's, yeah, there it is 27 and 23 in their last 50 games, 10th best in the NBA. There's some going on there in Orlando, so that's not as as terrible of a loss as it could have been. But of course, no loss is a good loss, and uh, it definitely was brutal to watch. But on the bright side, Mikhail Bridges is a star, so we got that going for us. Well, that's the most important thing, right? I mean, the most important thing out of all of this is that Mikhail Bridges is the foundational piece, and it's about building around him. The last two minute report, who can, the Nets blew that game. You know, I, I'm not yeah, going to cry. Even about, came down to yeah, that. Thank I, I'm you. not going to cry about the Donovan Mitchell thing. You know, he tried to get the rebound, went through a bunch of people's hands. There was turnovers all down the stretch of the game. That was a game that they had. They choked away. They blew it. I was proud of the response the next night against Miami to come back and blow the doors off of them in the third quarter. I think the Magic game was a schedule loss. I'll write that one off. We'll see what they do the rest of the season from here because it's more about like for me, it's all right. You have this foundational piece. How do you build around him? And do you feel good about the way that you close out the season? Can you close out the season strong? The Nets should probably be favored in, I believe, every game or very close to every game the remainder of the season. They were actually underdogs going into yesterday. So it's not like that was a, a totally unexpected result either. It's not just me saying that. The Magic were favored in that game. I think the Nets will be favored in almost, if not all, games the rest of the year, considering the Sixers is the last game. And I, I doubt they're playing anybody in that game. But really, it's about the, the present now. How do these guys come together? How do they play? And then the future, who are you putting around Mikhail Bridges? Because he's the obvious piece for this team. Yeah, I guess, you know, we'll we'll go in a little bit of order of the notes. But where I'm at with the Nets is they, they beat Miami. They own the tiebreaker with Miami already. Um, I put in the notes and I read somewhere that for the Miami Heat, to get out of the play and get out of that seven seed, they'd have to have a better final record than the Nets and the Knicks. And I don't think that's going to happen for them to jump two teams with the tiebreaker over them. I believe the Knicks will play Miami again, and that could change the tiebreaker. But I think currently the Knicks have it. What I'm saying is the goal that I set for this team, the bar that I set for these guys, it's still attainable. They haven't dropped all the way out. A loss here, a loss there soul-crushing loss that has me paralyzed in bed in the last seconds like this can't be life whatever they're still potentially the sixth seed and they still have the opportunity to go into the playoffs potentially against the Sixers win one game against those guys maybe more and you look at this season and you can't be too mad about it you can't be mad about what these guys are able to do um, together all things considered 
All right, let's go to that two-minute report. I put in the notes. Uh, Bleacher Report put out an article. Donovan Mitchell committed lane violation before the Cavs game winner. We know. But, like, call it in real time. What I'll say about the two-minute report is it's supposed to be the NBA and officials taking accountability. But it's it's one thing to take accountability and admit wrong. It's another thing to take accountability and do something about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, I did see, and Brian Lewis put out the tweet, the last two-minute report confirmed that Cavs star, blah, 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 blah. We know. He should have been called for a lane violation. That should have, like, Luka Doncic vibes when Luka, um, you know, beat the Knicks. But I think he was good. I think the two-minute report said he was fine. I mentioned Luka because uh, it goes back to what I'm saying about retro retroactively doing something about it. The NBA just rescinded his 16th technical so that he doesn't get suspended. Good. Like, that's what you should be doing if you go back and look at things. And uh, poor Luca, basketball just ain't fun anymore. It's just a little different vibe going on now. I don't know what happened over there in Dallas, but they're out of the plan. What are they, 11? Whatever it is, we're not allowed to talk about it. So just move past it. Yeah, you're right. So enough with the uh, little Cavs home and home series. On our last episode, I said, maybe the Nets can steal one from the Cavs. And they were on track to winning that game. And then the Cavs stole one. They're a good team. They've clinched. Later on, we'll show the standings. The top four seeds in the East are already clinched. Now going to the Heat game and uh, going down there to Miami to beat those guys. Udonis Haslam went home that night. He was punching air. It's a wrap for them. It's over for them. And good. I've got no love for the Miami Heat. I've got no love for Jimmy Buckets and Tyler Euro and Bam Adebayo and whoever else they run out there. The Nets, like, I don't know. The thing about the Nets, like, they held those guys to 100. And it's like sometimes they can turn it on where you're watching this team and you're like, damn, they're good. Like, they have, like they can pass the ball. They can defend. They can score it. They get into a good rhythm. Then other times it's like, it's I don't know, it's still day and night, which uh, tells me that these guys are still figuring things out and still tweaking with lineups and and adjusting but going back to that game the nets win 129 100 that's the biggest win of the season 29 point win i think i read somewhere there was some type of record set with that game for the nets and you get 27 points out of bridges 23 points out of cj that's 50 points from the twins spencer chips in 15 nick claxton with 14 and 10 rebounds dorian finney smith with 12 Edmund Sumner, I want to give props to on this podcast, coming through with the energy and the speed. He had 12. And even Dayron Sharp. We have to give Dayron Sharp some credit for responding in the right way. As a second-year young man, this kid is, what, 20 years old, 21 years old? He's young. Um, seeing Moses Brown signed, seeing Nerlens Noel signed and getting clocked right away, it fired him up, and he's made improvement. Like, he's been solid in this last stretch. And now I'm looking at things like, hey, it is what it is. That's our backup center. Good for Dayron. Anything you guys want to add to the Miami Heat win, the only win that we're talking about on this podcast? Well, you you mentioned a couple of the things. One, uh, I think Edmund Sumner should be the backup point guard the remainder of the season. Uh, he he provides uh, – he was hurt in that Magic game, and I think they missed him. You notice that uh, both Cam Johnson and Bridges singled him out after the game against Miami, Sumner brings a few things. And look, let's not overstate what he is. He doesn't finish that well around the basket, but he's a straight line driver. He plays fast. He plays hard. 
and he plays defense. And this is a team that has struggled with point of attack defense. So as much as um, Cam Thomas can score, which we've seen in spurts, and Seth Curry can shoot, I think the guy who provides the most and will provide the most consistently from that spot is Edmund Sumner. So I'd like to see him in that role. I, I think they also missed, you know, Royce O'Neal, who, who you've seen provide really good play for them uh, the, the next day in Orlando. Against Miami, Keith, you, you sort of hit on it, and, and Sharp, by the way, does deserve credit. When they've, when they've really seemed to be able to hit fire on all, all cylinders, they're locking teams down, they're clamping, and this is also a three-point shooting team, right? So they're going to live and die by the three. I, I think some of it is how long, you know, the, the time that they've been together. Some of it is it's just difficult to have that sort of effort every single night, and it is human nature. You know, I don't think what you saw on Saturday versus what you saw on Sunday is as much of a rhythm thing as it is when you know you're playing the Miami Heat and the the seating is on the line coming off of that Cavs game there's a certain level of mentality and you're leaving it all on the floor what happens when you leave it all on the floor and you're asked to play less than 24 hours later against a, a team Second with live half of a back to back it's that's, like a it's such a common a, a thing, thing in the NBA it's just it's just facts. It's hard. And when you're talking about the Magic, they have a bunch of young guys with fresh legs. Half the season, they didn't even care. So, like, now they're playing well the last 50 games. Yeah, it happens. Go ahead. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and going back to the the Dayron Sharp conversation, and I, I'll be the first one to say, not that I was totally wrong, but I did say some things, and I think we all did, about him not really being the guy for this Nets team and him not necessarily looking like he was NBA ready. Uh, he looked more like a G League player for a lot of the time he's he's come up with the Nets before this recent stretch of games. But one thing about Dayron Sharp, going all the way back to when the Nets drafted him, is that when he played at UNC, he was never a starter there, Right. He, he was a one-year player, one and done for UNC. He never started. He won their sixth man of the year. I think he was running runner-up for ACC freshman of the year, but he never started for them. He was an early enrollee, and then he came to the Nets, and once again, obviously, he's not the player. He's not the guy. He's been fighting up and trying to put himself in a position where he can, you know, the version of the guy for Daron Sharp is right now is to be the backup center, where he's always been fighting for that, that next step. So this isn't new for him. And it was really awesome to see that. I mean, if you're Daron Sharp, you have to know the conversation around the nets, right? They need a backup center. They need a backup. They need a, they need a backup. They need a backup. When you compare him to someone like Cam Thomas and who is in front of them competing for minutes, Cam Thomas is in a way worse situation. Daron Sharp only needs to be honestly an NBA replacement level player to get those minutes. And when we watch Daron, there's a lot, a lot to like, even before this recent stretch of games. So it's really nice to see him uh, come together and, and have some moments. And I don't think any of us are under the illusion that right now he is any sort of a, a lock starter, someone that needs to play, even a lock off the bench role, right? But he has shown signs of development. And when you look at the Nets' history of big man development, we have been working off of 
positive signs in the first two or three years of watching players play in that position. And then in the fourth year, they blossom, right? So Daron Sharp is technically, you know, the way the Nets have gone, he's on schedule. Clax didn't show us that much for the first two years. Jared Allen the same way. And now we have another big man who seems to be and hopefully is uh, following that path into not only Nets relevancy, but hopefully wherever he may land, NBA relevancy. They tried to bring in his replacement twice, too, right? I mean, you, you, Nerlens Noel and now Moses Brown um, both come in. And Dayron Sharp, that's a, a certain level of motivation. Because let's be real about it. Dayron Sharp was not an NBA player for a bunch of this season. He looked totally lost out there. And you wondered, how the hell is this guy on a roster? But he's young, as you alluded to there, Hudson. And he has developed. And now you start to see, okay, this is a strong kid. You know, who, who plays hard, who is developing a little chemistry on the lobs and, and the, the, the screen and roll game with, with Spencer Dinwiddie. He still struggles in pick and roll coverage on the other end. But you're starting to see, yes, he can be a part of a rotation in the NBA. And that's okay. Like, nobody, not everybody has to be the next star or, the you know, the next thing. You're, you're trying to put together a, 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 a real team. And right now when you look at this, you know, team as a whole, you're trying to – parse through it and, and say, wh which are the pieces that you think are going to be a, a part of the puzzle long-term? Dayron Sharp stood up in the locker room. And he said, we're on a five-game skid, five-game losing streak. Ben Simmons ain't coming back to save us. I'm here. I want to get off this bench. So he did. And uh, now we will spend the next uh, two, three minutes talking about um, the former net, Ben Simmons. I wish I had that, like, funeral music. Or that, like, you know, play the violin. Um, he's cooked. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we've gotten to the point where, actually, let's roll the, uh, the the clip with, well, not clip, the screenshot from Legion Hoops, Alex, first. Let's do that first before we troll, uh, or whatever one, before we troll Ben Simmons. Uh, that's fine. Mikael Bridges has scored 348 points just this month of March. Ben Simmons has scored 291 points as a net. Now, obviously, he only really played for, like, I don't know, three months. I don't know how many games he even got in there. But, yeah, Bridges is the guy. We all, I think everybody's got that, right? If you're going to go buy a, a new Brooklyn Nets jersey, get number one, Brooklyn Bridges. He's the guy. Ben Simmons is not the guy. So as much as I can applaud Sean Marks for bringing us Mikael Bridges and saying, hey, we're not doing that trade unless Mikael Bridges is in the deal, and his best friend's got to come along for moral support. Taking on Ben Simmons remains an L, a $35 million L. And we learned over the weekend, and the NBA world learned, um, that it's official. Mikael Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Cam Johnson have played more minutes together on the Brooklyn Nets than Kyrie, KD, and James Harden did. That's crazy. Like, already... These guys that were acquired after the deadline, which was a month and a half ago, have already been available. If you listen to me on WFAN, if you listen to me on Talking Nets, how many times did I say availability is the best ability? Like, as a fan, you just want to be able to count on your players being there. Like, I'm a baseball guy. It's super frustrating being a Yankees fan because they, they always have injuries. So, yeah, they're big, bad Yankees, but are they? They're missing a couple guys. With the Nets, at least I know – Bridges is going to show up. When we got him, that was the first thing I thought about him. Iron Man. He was itching to get on the court to keep his streak going. 
So not only is he a star scorer, he's an Ironman. And those guys have already surpassed the amount of time that that big three had together. And I think, like I said, it's going to wear more on the stars that came to Brooklyn and did nothing than it is on this organization. This organization is going to be able to push forward. The future is bright in Brooklyn, and the future is right now. They're going to most likely be the sixth seed and uh, be a playoff team. You guys' thoughts on, you know, all things considered, right? When we were in the KD, Kyrie era, scary hours, big three, it was all flash, no substance. And when you actually see something written out like that, and you think about Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikael Bridges, and Cam Johnson only being here from like mid-February to now and logging more time than those guys, it's like, what? It's wild. When I saw that stat, I was legitimately taken aback. Like, it's both believable and unbelievable at the same time, right? Um, considering everything that we, we thought that team scary hours would be, they, they played about an hour together, all things considered. And, and Bridges, yeah, I mean, that, that's, there's a value in that, an inherent value in always being around. Um, the fact that he's, he's putting together the rest of his game now, too, you see him slowly adding. He's learning how to draw fouls. He's learning, you know, the the step up, uh, step back three point off the dribble jump shots. He's taking more and more of those. Playmaking is probably the next natural thing for him. Ben Simmons, the the hypothetical version of Ben Simmons, what he once was, is the perfect fit for this team. He cures a lot of what ails them, but that guy doesn't exist anymore. Uh, probably will never exist again. I I, I don't think he know, he plays another minute for the Brooklyn Nets. At this point, I, I think they figure out a way to move on from him this offseason. Um, easier said than done on his, his normal contract, but maybe there is, you know, a stretch provision or or things like that that, that can get used to, to move Ben Simmons because I, I just don't see him returning to the court. Yeah, and it's good to see, as Alex flashed on the screen, the Nets announced Ben Simmons, quote, probably not going to join and quote the team for the rest of the season. I'm glad that the Nets let Jacques Vaughn uh, tell the truth. The fact that they made him go up there and just lie to the public saying that, you know, Ben's still a part of the team. Ben's coming back. I, the writing was on the wall. I don't think any of us were under the misguided, you know, interpretation of what had been going on that Ben Simmons was ever going to play this season or in all likelihood play for the Nets again. And I understand why people like the idea of Ben Simmons so much, even now, even now, after we, after everything that has happened this season and the lack of production and all of the cap room that we have dedicated to him, we still have people in our chat that are saying, well, look at the other stats, look at the assist. Who's the assist leader on the nets. First off a player putting up something like six, six and six is not worth That's a, max. a good day for Ben. Simmons. Yeah. It's a good day for Ben Simmons and is not worth a max on his good day. Right. There, there's Triple no value single. you're getting you you get out of a player who is doing cardio spinning on the bench you don't get any value out of that right so at, at the end of the day ben simmons is in all likelihood gone i i hope he's gone i wish him well i wish his me mental health well all of those things i don't wish anything negative on the guy but uh, he's just not in a position where he can contribute to this Nets team. And the Nets shouldn't be hamstrung by the fact that we're paying him this contract. I don't know. I saw a report today that the Reds are still paying Ken Griffey a salary, like $3, $3 million a year. Maybe the Nets can get that kind of a, of, a, of, of a like situation a, going on like that. But the, uh, Not to cut you off, right? Like the Nets didn't structure this contract. They didn't give him this contract. They were dumb enough to accept a trade with him. And you know who else was in that trade? 
Seth Curry. How much value has Seth Curry added recently? Those trades, both Harden trades turned out bad, right? The first one you understand in retrospect because they were trying to win a championship. They probably should have won the championship that year. The Nets probably should have won a championship in 2021. They had the best team going into the playoffs. They smoked the Celtics. They they had the Bucs. They lost both Harden and Irving in that series. So it is what it is. However, I'm I'm happy with the other two trades. <laughs> you yeah. know, one, the Mavericks situation is a total dumpster fire right now at this very moment. They need Spencer and DFS on that team. <laughs> as much as DFS has struggled and can't shoot with the Nets, and hopefully that clicks. He was their know, best defender. He's like. their best defender. Dinwiddie can defend as well. And and the three best players on the Nets right now are Bridges, Dinwiddie, and and the Claxton. Those are the, the three best guys on the Nets at this moment. And that draft pick, you know, that's kind of enticing both as a possible future chip to use or as a chip to move in a trade considering the state of the Mavericks. And then you look at the Suns trade and you get Bridges, who we've spent however much time already talking about. Johnson, who's a nice player, and and we'll see what his future holds as a restricted free agent. I'm guessing the the Nets and and him are going to look to uh, work on a deal to keep him here, especially with this connection to Bridges and four first round picks from that. So I, I'm still, I'm just happier about rooting for the team. I feel more invested. That's why the Cavs game hurt. You know, that's where the Cavs game, that, that Cavs loss might be the, the most hurt I've ever been after a sporting event. It's up, it, it's the freshest in my mind. It's nah, I was at, not me. I was at game seven when the Nets lost to the Bucs and Don't that one, die. that one hurt. But I like this team better. You know, like I, I like, I, I feel maybe it hurts. it's the, it hurts more to see the good guys when they they had the win <laughs> yeah. sewed up, get it snatched away from them. You just feel for them. That Maybe it's because I'm rooting with my kids, but I literally fell on the floor <laughs> face first onto the carpet. And and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, a minor league mentality. Maybe everyone is right to clown Joe Sy for be talking about how this is a team Brooklyn can root for. But it is, isn't it? Right? Like, at the end of the day this is the kind of team that you can feel good about because when you have the expectations that that Nets team had and all those missed expectations and all of the hypothetical rings and the hypothetical parades down Atlantic Avenue that hypothetically should have happened, every win was just meeting expectations. It was meeting expectations. And anything less than a win and a championship was a failure. Frankly, when you're a championship or bust, Complete Busting is a failure. Some say the biggest fail in NBA history, sports history. And I don't feel bad about that. I got no shame about that. Honestly, I don't lose sleep about the fact that Katie, Kyrie, James Harden were here and did nothing. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, though, how often were they here, right? Here, not on the court for the most part, right? But regardless, the the point I'm making is the Nets are in the exciting position where a win is awesome and holding on to a win is awesome. Not unexpected. We expect to win every game. We expect that we can win every game. And a loss is heartbreaking, but it's not demoralizing like it used to be. I just think it's a different fan experience and one, frankly, that I'm enjoying more than I enjoyed the last era. Well, you, it wasn't even just that it was the, you know, the championship was the only acceptable ex, uh, result. It was also when things didn't go right, you were wondering what apocalyptic thing could be around the corner, right? Like what post was coming next? What trade request was coming next? What, you know, d- disconcerting thing out of the locker room was coming next? And you don't right. have that anymore. Like that's not and this it's, dark cloud. It follows those players around. 
mm-hmm. look at the interactions, the weird James disjointed Harden interactions between be going back to Houston. Right. The 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 stuff between Kyrie and Luca already. Kyrie like, getting at fans. Kyrie walking to go get into a I fan. don't know, man. To be I fair, just, we, we don't know. I, I want to be completely fair. We, ha- we have no idea if there's actually anything going on between Kyrie and Luca. L- Luca never said anything about Kyrie. He just said things aren't going so well, and everybody tried to connect the dots. With that said, it's been an utter disaster since Kyrie got to the Mavericks. On yeah, the, when was know, basketball fun, Luca? <laughs> the results are bad. And then Kyrie saying, oh, yeah, you know, if the fans want to play, they will be, be welcome. You guys can come out onto the court, all the hard work uh, that it takes, uh, you know, the years to be on this level and then singling out a fan and getting them kicked out. I mean, it's all part uh, of the, the Kyrie Irving experience. Yeah, let's show the standings next as we proceed. Eastern Conference, I said that four teams have locked up a playoff spot. That would be the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, and Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I'm trying to hold that six seed, and that six seed would give us a date with Joel Embiid and James Harden, who have been resting lately, who have been hurt. Um, and you know what? If there's two guys that know when to fail, know when to not come through in big moments, it's the playoffs. So uh, if we want to get into a series against any of those four teams, the Cavs just came to Brooklyn and beat us twice. Wouldn't want to dance with them. The uh, Boston Celtics own us. I think we're 10-1 uh, and one in our last 11 against them. And the Milwaukee Bucks are a nightmare. We can't match up with those guys. And, uh, you know, they still haunt our dreams here and there. It's the Sixers. I would love to end up in that series. It's got a local feel to it. Uh, Philly and Brooklyn are not that far apart. The brigade will be there. And it's a little bit of deja vu. It's like, okay, before we went into this KD Kyrie era, who did the Nets match up against? The Sixers. They got the gentleman sweep, but they did win that first game. And the Nets world was alive at that time. I remember Nets fans thinking that we actually had a shot to beat them. But um, I think that's where it's heading. Obviously, the Nets have to win games. Let's show the uh, graphic of uh, this homestand coming up. The title of this episode is Big Homestand. Bring it home. If you can't win at home, then you might as well go home. So you've got Houston coming up on Wednesday. A couple days off for these guys to come back and get acclimated and whatever. Uh, then you have Atlanta, Trey Young and them boys trying to do something. They, you know, I didn't even mention them as we were talking about the standings. They're down there somewhere. And then you've got the Utah Jazz. These are all three winnable games. The Nets should be able to put together a three-game win streak after having two days of rest, home cooking, sleeping in their own beds. What are you guys' thoughts about this next homestand here? I think the fans will be there. I'm sure there's some giveaways. I think I was looking at brooklynnets.com. There's, like, T-shirt giveaways and stuff like that coming up. Well, look, the, the, the Nets are not good enough to just count anything as a win. They're not a good enough team. They can lose Very to any true. team. However, when I look at the schedule, I expect, as an isolated event, I expect the Nets to win every game on the remainder of the schedule. I know that's not going to happen, but when you're just looking at it one by one, they should win every game on the remainder of their schedule. So at five and two would be fine. Uh, obviously six and one, seven and zero oh would be amazing. Five and two, let's say, I, I think that'd be a really good result to close the season. And I'm with you on wanting to see Philly. That's the team I want to see for a couple of reasons. The storyline wise, matchup wise, you know, we, we've talked about, uh, I've talked about point of attack players really hurting the Nets. Well, the Cavs have Donovan Mitchell, right? The Sixers, James Harden's not that kind of player. He's not that kind of player where 
he he's explosive with his speed and 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 everything. Garland's also on the Cavs, and Joel Embiid right now is dealing with a calf issue too. He's missing the game against Jokic tonight. So I I, I actually I'm not saying the Nets beat the Sixers, but I kind of like the way they match up with them. I, I think the we all in this room right now really want to see him hold six. So the the schedule that you just saw, feel, holding six just feels like a win. It feels like a bow on the season that is nice. It, it gives you the good vibes going into an offseason with this uh, new group together, with the, the new foundational pieces. So I, I want to see them win these games. And, and I'm done with the, you know, I, I know it might have sounded at the top of the episode like excuses or whatever, but it wasn't. I really did expect them to lose to the Magic. So I did. I was not taken aback by that result. I was not upset by that result, I was upset about the Cavs' result because they had that game. But looking at the, the Rockets at home, you should win. Hawks at home, you should win. Jazz at home, you should win. Timberwolves at home, they're a pretty good team, but you're at home, you should win. At the Pistons, you should win. Get that rematch, rematch with the Magic at home, you should win. Sixers end of the season, they're not going to be playing anybody, you should win. So every game on the rest of the net season is winnable, if not a game we should expect them to win. And that's a good feeling to be in a playoff spot, not a play-in spot, going into the final long homestand of the regular season, thinking that you can win six, seven games in that stretch. And, and you know, five and two is is worst-case scenario. Obviously, Nets are always inventing new worst-case scenarios, but, you know, of our predictions, it's good. We're in a good place. We are in a position where we can take momentum into a series that we can steal a few games from. And then we have whatever the opposite of bare cupboards is going into the offseason to make this team better, to put them back on the, the top of the pedestal where they are supposed to be. And I love the idea of a matchup against the Sixers. I love the idea of Nick Claxton showing people on the national stage what he can do as a defender. We are all Nick Claxton evangelists. He has to do it on the biggest stage now. He's been consistent. He's done it all regular season. He's got to do it against, you know, arguably, I don't think he is, but arguably the NBA MVP, right? I I think from a a narratives perspective, from a basketball perspective, from an enjoyment perspective, Nets fans can look at the rest of the season, regular and post, and you can have a lot of fun. And then you can go into an off season where the Nets might be one of the most active teams in the NBA, and they certainly have the most, you know, some of the most capital to do so. So unless you're, you know, a tanking team looking for Wembenyama, looking at this offseason after hopefully a good end to the regular season and a a good showing in the postseason, I don't know. If you're a Nets fan, there's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot to be content about. And I think that's a great place to be, considering we are, you know, what everyone calls the biggest disaster in NBA history. Two things real fast. AJ2313 throws a comment up saying, but Robin, against the Magic, the Nets, they looked really bad. Again, these are human beings. You know, you put everything out there the night before, the next day, you're just not going to have the same juice. And two... uh, Ultra Music Festival was going on in Miami. (laughs) That's never a good look when you're playing Miami on a Saturday night and then going to Houston to play, or uh, going to Orlando to play the next day. (laughs) Uh, And and then the other thing is, you know, the offseason... I just saw Shams had said uh, expect a, or you could maybe expect the the Blazers to be looking to move Dame in the offseason. So you never know what could happen. That's the player who, to me, like in just like a dream scenario, fits perfectly in the construction of this roster. They need a, a dynamic guard 
and, and he would be he would just leave Oregon. He seems I, like he never wants to get I don't, out of there. Well, the problem is I don't know if the Nets have the player to make that deal happen. They have the picks to make that deal happen. Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas. I Claxton would ben probably Simmons, have to ben go. Simmons. He would probably have to go to make that deal happen. Voicemail. Let's <laughs> run it. Let's go next. Brooklyn. You know it. Yo, Keith, Hudson, Rob. I'm listening to this show. Dope show. Um, and but but Dayron Sharp, sometimes I feel like he deserved more minutes than Doe. Uh, because he's out rebounding, he's the best rebounder on the team. That's not debatable. And if C, if CJ or Twin is not knocking down his shots, give him his minutes too. And he's more impactful at a four, in my opinion, opposed to a five. I think he's a small five, but he's a big four. He don't guard the perimeter good on the defensive side of the ball, but you keep him around the paint. So with a coaching adjustment, it can work. So I want to see Jack Vaughn work with him. And I like Ed Summer at the backup point guard. And I don't know if y'all, you know, care about this or not, but DDJ has been balling lights out with the Long Island Nets. And if we can't get Ed Summer to be the backup point guard, like the Orlando match game, then we need DDJ in that lineup next to Cam Thomas because, you know, they've been teammates since last season and they got some chemistry. So we're not a weak squad when we go deep in the bench. Uh, Jacques Vaughn just got to, you know, he just got to, he got to go for it and, and not uh, over exert. Spencer. Spencer been playing big minutes since he's been back. We don't want to see them burn out right before the playoffs and have nothing for the playoffs. But again, I'm watching the show. Shout out to Talking Next. I'm here, man. Big fan, Breezy. Appreciate you. Uh, I think with Dayron, at least, um, you know, put, put him on the floor with Claxton kind of puts us back to where we were in the beginning of the season. We were talking about Ben Simmons on the floor with Claxton and Dayron in the beginning of the season on the floor with Claxton. Um, DDJ, he's there, but I don't think he's ready for prime time. He's there um, in garbage time. What else did he mention? Spencer and these guys getting um, burnt out for the playoffs. Burn them out. Secure that number six seed. It's not going to be a long run. Uh, what did you guys think about what Big Fan Breezy just had to say? Well, I mean, I think uh, I want to see the guys that are playing – on the second unit, provide some bounce, some pep. Uh, so that's Sumner, that's Watanabe, you know, guys like that. Sharp has has been that. Joe Harris has, has earned his minutes. He, he's been shooting the ball well, so you, you can't really knock him. But that's the main reason I've been talking about Sumner. I just think he pushes um, – he gives a little juice. He gives a little juice with, with speed, with athleticism, and that's not something Seth Curry provides. It's also not something Camp Thomas uh, provides. That's not, you know, where his strengths are. Yeah, I would like, I agree with Robin. I would like to see the second unit used as a group of players that can go against the other team starters who maybe haven't had the chance to sub out, you know, run some pace at a tired lineup. I think they can provide a lot of punch there. Um, Daron Sharp reminds me of like the athletic tight end who used to play basketball, who can always get in position for every catch, but never brings him down. Um, he's been, you know, getting his rebounds a lot better lately, but he, he used to have uh, some sort of butterfingers. Happy to see that that's kind of turned around for him. But yeah, I think that they're an athletic group that can push and they can play good defense and they can in the right situations and have shown in the right situations uh, to be able to provide somewhat, not the best, but somewhat of a scoring punch uh, for the Nets. I still think our starting lineup is is and will remain for the rest of the season a lineup that has four shooters along with Nick Claxton. Uh, I think however you construct it, that's our best lineup. That's our best scheme. But 
honestly, the real thing that I'm excited about with this second unit is the fact that they're showing out and they're showing that they can be assets, quite frankly, because if the idea with this Nets team is that we're reloading and if we want to bring in someone like a Dame, you have to shorten the team, right? You have to get your your excess talent off of the team to bring in new talent and our bench pieces showing that they can contribute whether here or somewhere else is without a doubt a good thing. But for the rest of the season, I think they can provide a great punch. And I think if utilized correctly, could be very useful in something like a seven game series where you're going to be seeing a lot of the same team and a lot of tired players and a lot of players playing big minutes. Yo, if you're in the YouTube chat, smash like on your way out. We're about to wrap this thing up, but appreciate everybody pulling up with their thoughts and comments and opinions and uh, keeping the YouTube chat active. Let's uh, read this review here before we wrap up. If you're on Apple and you can write a review, pause the podcast, go do that, and then come back and finish this last minute or two of the pod. So Will writes, better than the big three, better than the last big three, (laughs) feels like this big three been together more than the last big three love the talking nets pod family fans of the team that talk like fans of the team fully interactive pod either on the live chats on youtube or on twitter keep killing it fellas let's go nets brooklyn that's a five-star review we appreciate y'all man we literally do this for the fans we do this for nets fans we're not making money off this we're not rolling in the dough we're not doing this because we want to be famous we're not doing this because we think the yes network is going to take talking nets on we're not doing this because we think the nets are winning the championship and they're going to put us on the float when the parade comes down flatbush and atlantic we're, we're doing this for you guys right we know that you guys are talking about the nets we see the tweets on nets twitter we know you guys are waiting for a pod i get messages all the time when we get in a new pod when we get in a new pod and so the three of us figure out when to come together and talk about the nets and man, look at this. We're uh, about to go into April. It's been a long season, but an interesting season, and we're still doing it. So Talking Nets, over 200 episodes. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. And uh, we'll be back with another episode, maybe Friday. But, uh, you know, things are about to change for me. Uh, I'm having a whole kid. Like, I'm going to have a, a, a little baby, like, that I can, like, hold and like burp and like i don't even know what to do with them really so um i'm walking into that and i don't know how hectic that's gonna be if i'm gonna be available to pod but i think my kid is gonna be born within the next like 10 days or less so if we're uh ghost for a minute i'm uh turning into daddy daycare and uh i'll be back you'll see me but um hopefully the nets can win out here secure that six seed and get into the playoffs and not the play in Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn.